142, 26, 118, 11, 38. 52, 145, 100, 255. Hi, I'm Cam, holistic health coach, mom to two humans and four pets. Hi, I'm Amelia, laboratory scientist by day and food scientist by night. Welcome to our show. Join us as we share our holistic approach to life after 50. You can expect real life stories with a dash of humor and a ton of truth. If it happens in midlife, we're going to talk about it. So hit that subscribe button and follow along. We're the Midlife Mamas. So, Cam, what do your numbers mean? Oh, I'm not really sure, but they used to be really important to me. But 52 is how old I am. 145 is the most I ever did a clean and jerk in the gym. 100 is my snatch. And 255 is my deadlift. So those were numbers from CrossFit. Let's hear what your numbers mean. (laughs) Well, let me just say your numbers sound impressive to me because I'm not a CrossFitter. So that sounds really cool. Um, 142 is the highest weight I ever was without being pregnant. And let me preface by saying I'm not a tall woman. So I'm like five, three. Um, actually I said the number 26, but what it really was supposed to be is 16. I am a recovering endurance athlete and 16 was the number of hours it took for me to do my last Ironman. 118 is the weight I would like to be. 11 is the grade I was in when I realized that I was comparing myself to other girls, and 38 is my hip girth. So those are mine. Okay. So those are our numbers. And how do we get out of being stuck, being defined by these random numbers in our life? It's an interesting question, Cam. And I tried to think when we were researching this episode, I thought, what is it? Why do we get caught in numbers? And As a mother, one of the things that came to mind is the fact that when my children were little, actually from birth, we gauge their growth and development with numbers. They're in the 90th percentile in weight or whatever, or their head circumference. So as an adult, I felt like that was a defining moment with regard to numbers. I understand that. I remember going to the the pediatrician with the kids and hearing their numbers and their stats, and it was like a feather in your hat. And it's kind of silly, isn't it? It really is, because as my mother told me, your child is not going to go to kindergarten in diapers. And they did not. So that was good. But yeah, it's it's interesting how we tie ourselves to numbers. Yeah. So it starts really early, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And I think for girls, it even starts earlier. You know, there was many comparisons before the I had children. And I think as children of the 80s, um, we definitely were stuck in that mindset of trying to be a certain size. And I still battle that today on occasion. Yeah, it does sneak in. But, you know, beyond the number on the scale, we didn't even re- – oh, yes, we did talk about scale numbers. Beyond the number of the scale, like what's really important is your energy throughout your day – do you have the energy to do the things that you want to do? Are you mobile, et cetera, et cetera? Right. Those qualitative measurements for quality of life are so much more important, but we've got to get out of the mindset of measuring ourselves with a number. Absolutely. So let's start with the obvious one. Since we're midlife women, let's talk about age for a second. 
Yes, let's. When did you consider yourself like, was there a time when you're like, okay, I'm in middle age now? I remember my 40th birthday. Like, I thought, oh, this is it. <laughs> I don't know. And so much has happened in the last 12 years of my life. So I just remember being 40. That was the last year I was in the classroom. Um, so I retired from the elementary classroom that year. Anyway, what's your story? Well, so. Well, I want to ask one more question. So was 40 like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is great. Or, oh my gosh, this is it. I'm now middle-aged. Well, it was at a, a, a really rotten time in my first marriage. And so it was like, oh my gosh, is this it? <laughs> was that what oh, it? I see. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see. You know, I kind of arrived at that point. I have to admit from age 44 to 52 was really hard for me. I was struggling through midlife at that point. So when I turned 50, I was convinced that it was a turning point. And I don't really think it did change much, but 50 for me was much more of an auspicious birthday than 40. I don't remember thinking much at 40. Well, and I remember turning 50 and I'm like, okay, thank goodness I've turned the corner. Life is on the upswing. That's what I remember thinking at 50. (laughs) Well, I threw myself this huge 50th birthday party. So basically we invited everyone we knew. I had cards. I literally had cards printed like whatever. um, I can't remember what those online print shops are. They're like super cheap. And it was the size of a business card. And if I encountered someone I knew up to, you know, I started about a month out, I handed them a card with my birthday party (laughs) information. I was like, here, come to my birthday. And so I made such a big deal about it. I couldn't help but be happy because like everybody I knew was at my house on my 50th birthday. I mean, what a joyful occasion. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So there are some people that prescribe to the idea of not even talking about their age or not even speaking their age because your body here is what you think and say. And um, yeah, so that's an interesting thought. I I don't mind saying my age. Yeah, I don't either. I don't feel 50. But then again, what is that supposed to feel like? So so I don't worry about it. I mean, my mom is 79 and she's just a spry little chicken. She loves to do yard work. So when I look at her, I just don't even think about it. But no, I definitely don't mind telling my age. Do you remember thinking of your parents at 50 and thinking they were old, like when you were a kid? Well, my mom, so my mother had me when she was 25 and I had a kid when I was 25. So when my mom, this is funny though, when I told my mother I was pregnant, she was 50 and I was married and I went to her house. I was like, mom, I'm pregnant. And she looked at me like I was trying to kill her. She was like, I don't know about this. Like, I don't think I'm ready to be a grandmother. So I remember that, but I don't ever remember thinking, oh, my parents are old. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. The next one on there is the good old wait. The number on the scale. Girl, I avoid this like the plague. I hate the scale. I always have. This is also a true story. When I get on the scale at the doctor, I face out so that I can't see it. (laughs) Okay. Um, My biggest like number of scale was after my son was born. He was now 25. And I that was the heaviest I weighed in my life. And um, I just remember when I broke the 200 mark when I before he was born, I was like, this is a really bad day. <laughs> yeah, I got really close to that myself. Mm-hmm. I remember them weighing me when I went in to give birth. And I was in the one, high 180s for sure. Yeah, I, I was too something, whatever. It was um, it was a bad day. And I remember being like after he was born, coming back from that, like trying to lose the weight after pregnancy. Then I was more concerned with the scale. 
So, you know, I was young when this happened. I'm um, 20, like, uh, let's see, um, 28 is 20. I'm not sure how old I was when I had him. Anyway, I can't think of that right now. But um, coming, like losing the weight after the baby was the time I was most concerned about the scale. Otherwise, I really don't care about my weight. Have you always been that comfortable? Because I wish I could say I had because I've totally like I still dread looking at the number on the scale. You no, know, no. Be, uh, no, I think I really think CrossFit. So I started that in 2010, like learning what my body could do. Before that, I did like step aerobics and just running. Um, but like lifting a barbell and like using my body to do things I never dreamed of doing. So I was 41 when I started that. It was amazing. So no. And also, yeah, that's also mass mass moves mass. <laughs> it's okay to have a little extra weight because you can move more weight in the gym. So true. And such a great attitude. I wish more people felt like that. Um, and my what drives me crazy, and I've encountered these women my whole entire life, they're like broomsticks. And they're like, oh, I'm so fat. And I just want to smack them. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> but we shouldn't be comparing. No, I know. Do you think that's Southern? I know, you know, I feel like that might be a little Southern. Do you think? Oh, I'm, I'm sure it is. So we have a saying in the in the South. Um, if, if you ever hear so, a Southern woman to say, bless your heart. Oh, no, that is a she is digging you as hard <laughs> as she can get, because that is not a compliment. So, yeah, there are definitely ways that Southern women can be a little bit nasty. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you grew up in that environment, you definitely know it. But yeah, self-deprecating to a point of being patronizing is definitely a, a Southern woman thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to say anything else about weight on the scale? No. Uh, no. I mean, I just think what you, your opinion and attitude is very healthy. And I'd like to leave people with the idea that it's it's just a number. It's just a number. And, and your overall health is not defined. You can be skinny and unhealthy. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I think overall wellness is more important than that number on the scale. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. The next one I'd like to bring up is <laughs> weight in the gym because three of my four numbers were related to lifts in the gym. And so for 11 years, I was in the CrossFit gym and like the, your how much you can lift and what you can do. That was really like that number bothered me more than any of these other numbers we've talked about so far. Well, so was this number that you lifted, were these things posted or did people ask you like how, in what ways did it come up as a problem? So it was just a personal thing, like comparing yourself to other athletes, but also sometimes they were written on like a whiteboard or we used an app for a while where you put your numbers into an app so everyone could see it. It was just really silly, but it was like, it's something I'd never done before. So it challenged me and I was like, the perfectionist in me wanted, you know, to get it right and get that number. Anyway. So when you were lifting, did you have goal weights that you wanted to lift? Well, it, I mean, I just got stuck at a certain level. Um, I started, you know, at 41. So that's kind of late to get into any kind of like weightlifting sort of thing. And um, so I just think I hit my ceiling and I just tried really hard to break it. <laughs> Cool. Well, I had a similar experience. I was an endurance athlete for 15 years. I did triathlon and what started as a way to lose baby fat uh, when after ha giving birth 
I started running and then I got injured and then I started biking and anyway, it morphed. It kind of took on a life of its own. So in the triathlon world, it's run splits and swim splits. And people wanted to know what your hundred meter swim split swim split was or what your mile repeat time was. And I am not fast. I just go forever. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my favorite story about how this made me feel, especially with respect to the 16 hours that I said earlier, the second Ironman I did, I was in gosh, I can't remember. Maybe, maybe it was the third one in Lake Placid, New York. Anyway, came back, went to a party the following weekend, a bunch of athletes were there, not that I raced with, but that knew me. And at that time, you could follow the finish line on Ironman on Ironman.com or IronmanLive.com. And this guy said to me, well, I was going to watch you finish, but I waited and waited and waited. And I just thought you quit because you never did. I was so crushed, Cam. It took... Clearly, I'm still like, this was 2009, Mm -hmm. and I'm still thinking about this, and it's ridiculous, but that's the way those number comparisons affected me. Mm -hmm. And so your finish line was on TV. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh, my. (laughs) Yes. I mean, like, it was a stream, like, Mm -hmm. but, you know, the guy was like, he, I guess he expected me to cross much earlier than I did, Mm -hmm. and just the idea that that number 16 Mm -hmm. It took me 16 hours to do that. Well, there's not that many people that even try it. So I should have like reframed that thought. I just did it at the time. Yeah, that's actually a great strategy is to reframe your thoughts and just remember that your thoughts are just a thought and let them pass. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. It's it's hard when you're in the moment, but when you just like sit down for a minute, you're not defined by those thoughts or the numbers that we're talking about today. So... <laughs> Right, exactly. So for the next thing, we've talked about athletic accomplishments, and maybe you're not athletic. But one thing a lot of us do is work. So another number that people get caught up with, and I wonder if this is more for men, but women do it too, is salary. How much money do you make? Yeah, and I believe it is a very masculine kind of energy. And I think that guys tie themselves to this more than women, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I I found myself, especially I've got some friends that are in pharmaceutical sales or were, and I don't know what their salary was, but it seemed to be higher than mine. (laughs) And so there was a there was a little bit of a comparison there. Mm -hmm. But um, again, that Southern woman thing, you don't really share that kind of thing. Oh, no, you guys keep it all buttoned up. (laughs) All buttoned up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the next one has to do with business. Um, So I started my business two years ago. um, And so social media stuff, followers, email lists, likes, comments, all this stuff, all these metrics that we use to measure our business success. Now, those kind of get under my skin. (laughs) Do you check it? Like, are you kind of obsessive about checking that stuff? No, I can't. I can't be. Um, You know, being running an online business means you're on the phone all the time. And I like really try to put boundaries around that. Yeah. Did you at first, did you go through a period where it was a little obsessive or were you pretty good from the start? I would say I was, I was decent at the start. I've gotten better at it for sure. I just couldn't live my way that, I mean, I have things to say and I want to share them and you know, maybe people read them and they don't like it. You don't know. (laughs) 
Right. You know what's funny is I've had to learn how to be like that as well. And I, I do fairly well. At first, I thought, oh, this is cool because when you start something new, it can gain traction pretty quickly. But what I find interesting is I'm bothered when people unfollow me. And I don't know who these people are, but that is a ridiculous number that I occasionally will look at. And I'm like, oh, man, I was so close to whatever number and now I'm not. Yeah, but yeah. Um, again, kind of silly, but I like what you said about I have things to say and that will help people. I'm going to say it. They might not like it. You, you know, and I've also had in real life people say, oh, that was great what you wrote about da da da. And I don't think they even like re- like responded publicly to it. And also, True. I also feel like Facebook went through a phase, um, especially women our age, like where it was just so gossipy. And so I think people read things on Facebook, but they don't like actually respond, if you will. I totally agree. So, you know, the cool thing about having a platform where you're helping people, you may not even know all of the quote likes that you have or, or the help that you're providing to people. They're doing it in their own way, in their own time. And, and you may not know. Yeah, exactly. So we are both here to help midlife women. So we're going to just keep doing that. <laughs> and ignore those numbers. Yeah. It, <laughs> ignore the numbers yeah. for sure. Yeah. You know, and just in general, comparison really does a, a, a number on your self-esteem and it's just unhealthy competition. What what do you think about it? Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the things when my kids were little that my husband was really adamant about was not making winning such a big deal. Uh, he wasn't one of those parents that's like, yay, you you know, everybody that participates gets a medal kind of thing. It wasn't that extreme. But I remember our second daughter was, they, my kids did horses and she had a really bad ride at a show and she was acting really ugly. She was about nine and she stomped off and he really busted her and he said, you need to put on a happy face and be nice to and support your teammates, your the other people that were there from the barn. And I really appreciated that because the idea that I did poorly, so I'm going to make everybody else miserable is just, that's just unsportsmanlike for one. Mm-hmm. But when you compare yourself to others, it really kind of dampens your own individuality and creativity. And I think that as women, we need to celebrate our own uniqueness. I totally agree with you. And that's what we are all about. And that is why we are friends, Amelia. Oh, totally. Yeah. And you know, it's it's unhealthy. You know, we've talked about this. I think we bring stress up in every episode. Mm-hmm. It is stressful to compare yourself to other people mm-hmm. and try to measure up. That is just crap. We don't need to be doing that in midlife. Absolutely. Yes, it's unhealthy competition. If you think about it this way, there's only one of you in the world. No one else can say or do what you bring to the table. So why are we comparing ourselves to other people when they aren't you? And they never will be. It's okay. There's room for all of us. There is room for all of us. And one one of the things I had read when I was doing research for this episode was about competition. And, you know, it starts way younger than midlife, obviously, but it, it talked about the use of standardized test scores and things like that. And I look at my daughters who are in their 20s and even, and you are a school teacher, mm-hmm. the idea of sta- standardized test scores can be quite detrimental. So, you know, as mentors of younger women, I think we have to do our part to say, hey, you're more than this. I mean, this is just 
a singular measurement that doesn't mean anything about your value. Yes, um, we were definitely your how your class did on the standardized test was definitely a big deal. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot about it's, that number. <laughs> I, well, you it's like you want to yeah, block it yeah. out. Like everybody wants to block out something that's not very helpful. Right. But I also think, and w- I think we we've talked about doing a, a whole episode on seeing others as competition or community. But when you pit yourself against someone else as a competitor, you kind of overlook them as allies. And I think that's really important for women in general, but certainly in midlife for us to see other women as allies and not competitors. Yeah, I feel like the the tide is changing and maybe it's just my attitude or who I'm surrounding myself with. I don't feel that nasty competition feeling around myself lately, which is a good thing, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's totally a good thing. Sometimes I think I would manufacture it when I was doing triathlon (laughs) or, you know, I just, I created a barrier that didn't need to be there. Right. I know that existed in the CrossFit gym. There were some, yeah, there were some women that were nasty about their numbers. (laughs) And you know what's funny, funny, Cam, and I find this with men and women, but people who don't compare their themselves to other and are extremely comfortable in their skin are some of the nicest people you will ever mm-hmm. meet. They're truly humble and comfortable with themselves and therefore they have all this energy to give to other people. Mm-hmm. I love it. I see you found this quote, numbers make intangibles tangible. Whoa. I know. I don't love that. That came from a New York Times article. And I think it's a way societally and culturally that we try to like make order of our world. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I mean, it's true. You think about um, people that count their macros or count their calories. They're just trying to fuel their body, right? But they're managing it by counting some numbers. Interesting. That's interesting thought. I think so too. And I wonder if there's a certain personality type that really need some sort of measurable thing. Um, I know in business, sometimes there's a lot of talk about quantifiable goals. You know, if you're in business uh, to make money, you know, you have revenue numbers and expenses and so forth. So I think in some ways we have to consider numbers, but they shouldn't define your worth. Yeah. You are way more than a number. Way more. more. I think it's just important to remember that. And anytime you get caught up thinking about your number and you feel like you do the awful awesome test, does this make (laughs) me feel awful? And if it does, let it go. Let it go like a cloud. Let it pass. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah, let it pass. So what kind of practical tips can we give people to kind of let go of this obsession with numbers? Well, you could, you know, like withdraw from them, like stop looking at them, like you know, understand that you don't need to look at these numbers. You know, if you're obsessed with getting on the scale every day, like wean yourself off, get on the scale every other day, and then maybe once a week and like wean yourself off if that's an issue for you. Yeah, I like to use my clothes fit as a gauge. Um, The other thing I really like is don't ask other people what their numbers are. Mm -hmm. So if you're a person that obsesses about it, don't tempt yourself by asking what someone else's numbers, like what weight they uh, lifted or what their mile split or whatever your obsession is. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, Some awful tests. We also talked about that. And I like to re I would like to bring up reframing. So if something comes up, a number comes up for you and you feel not nice about that number, reframe it. Like what's the win? Where's the win there? Because there has to be a win, you know? 
Right. I, I have really leaned into reframing, not just numbers in the last month or so, but a lot of things. And it does enormous benefits for my mental health and just peacefulness. Uh-huh. But, so I like that reframing for yeah, sure. Yeah, peacefulness. Isn't that what this is about? We're supposed to be joyful in midlife. Let's find more joy. And if you find these numbers are weighing you down and you're not able to be your best self, then let's figure out a way to get rid of them. <laughs> For sure. And I would challenge people to kind of spend some time uh, thinking about what numbers do bring you down and think about why you consider them at all. So it might be a good idea just to consider it first and then reframe it or don't look at it. Absolutely. Yep. I love it. I think we've covered all of our numbers. We're here to remember. Yeah, I do. I do too. I think I'm ready to put those numbers to bed. Yeah, let's do it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Yes, absolutely. And remember, reframe or don't look at it, but you are more than a number. You are. Have a great day. Thanks for listening today. You can find us on Instagram at midlife.mamas. For all of our other contact info, check out the show description below, and we will talk to you next week.